So, my dear brothers and sisters, the story of Fatima is absolutely fascinating. And again, as, as with so many things and so many count, countless examples in Scripture, uh, what we see in Fatima isn't exactly human logic. It doesn't always fit uh, what we would consider maybe a good approach towards giving a message or calling people to conversion or... Uh, we would, we would probably think of maybe what we would consider more effective means, better means, more credible means. But our ways are not God's. God's ways are not ours. When Our Lady appears in Fatima in 1917, Jacinta was seven. Now, I'm not sure if you have any seven-year-old nieces, nephews, brothers or sisters. They're tiny, right? And uh, Francisco was eight and Lucia was 10. Now, I have a 10-year-old niece. Now, if the three, I have more or less, I have nieces, nephews, more or less that age. Now, if three of them come in to me and say, Father Patrick, Father Patrick, we saw our lady, I'd say, as we love saying in Ireland, ye did ya. Ye did ya. Yes, yeah, of course you did. Meaning, of course you didn't. <laughs> We're complicated in Ireland. Um, so, just, if you want to give a, a message to the world, why choose such a remote village, such uneducated and such young people? You know, these are not, this isn't the way, these aren't the ways of man, okay? But in this remote hillside, in this small little village, uh, without, you know, if it's in a city, you'd surely have uh, better means of communication. If he appeared to, like, adult theologians, or if, he'd appeared to the, if, if she had appeared to the Pope, if a blessed lady had appeared to the Pope, surely then the message is, you know, could get moved on much, much quicker. But this is the way the Lord, and there's always a reason for it. This is the way the Lord chooses to ordain things. He sends his mother to these three children. And the, the, the conversations are so, uh, so, so simple on, on one hand and so profound on another. So I just want to speak about a couple of the apparitions. We won't have time, obviously, for it all. But So this is the 13th of May today in 1917. So they had had apparitions of an angel, which maybe we might, we might talk, we have another mass this evening, we might talk about the apparitions of the angel this evening. Uh, we haven't time now. Uh, but they saw this flash of lightning, making them the believe, believe that a storm was approaching. So they began to descend the hill, heading for home. About halfway down the slope, there was another flash, and a lady appeared above a holm oak tree. Lucia says that Our Lady was all dressed in white, more brilliant than the sun, radiating a light clearer and more intense than a crystal glass filled with clear water pierced by the most burning rays of the sun. A lovely image. The children stopped and found themselves in the light emanating from her. In the light. Again, a lovely, a lovely image, like you're kind of absorbed in Our Lady's holiness, her, her, her oneness with God. The children stopped and found themselves in the light emanating from her. And Lucy, or Lucia, uh, describes the image in this way, the apparition in this way. Our Lady said to us, Do not be afraid. I will do you no harm. And Lucia asks, Where is your grace from? I am from heaven. What does your grace want of me? I have come to ask you to come here for six months in succession on the thirteenth day at this same hour. Later on, I will tell you who I am and what I want. And afterwards I will return here a seventh time. Lucia then, with just childlike simplicity, 
Shall I go to heaven too? Yes, you will. And Jacinta, the seven-year-old, also. And Francisco, also. But he will have to say many rosaries. It's it is such, a, such a lovely kind of an honesty and frankness. He would have to say many rosaries. I remember then about two girls who had died recently in their village. They were friends of mine. And they used to come to my home to learn weaving with my eldest sister. And so she asks, so Lucia asks Our Lady, is Maria das Neves already in heaven? Yes, she is. It seems to me that she was about 16 years of old. 16 years old, Lucia says. And Amelia, she will be in purgatory until the end of the world. It's you know, a, a stark reality, right? So Our Lady says, Amelia will be in heaven, will be in purgatory until the end of the world. Then Lucia, can, Lucia writes, I'm, I'm quoting Lucia here. It seems to me that she must have been between 18 and 20 years old. Right? So this relatively young girl uh, has passed away and Our Lady says she'll be in purgatory until the end of the world. Then Our Lady asks them, are you willing to offer yourselves to God to bear all the sufferings he wants to send you as an act of reparation for the sins by which he is offended and for the conversion of sinners? Now, if you ask an adult that, are you willing to bear all of the sufferings, difficulties, and crosses that the Lord wishes to send you as an act of reparation for the sins by which he is offended and for the conversion of sinners? Many adults would say, Can I have a look at what they might be first, maybe? And then I'll, I'll sign off on the ones that, you know, like. But the children just say, yes, well, actually, it was Lucia who spoke to Our Lady. So Lucia says, on behalf of all three of them, yes, we are willing. You are going to have much to suffer, but the grace of God will be your comfort. The grace of God will be your comfort. It was in pronouncing these last words that Our Lady opened her hands for the first time and communicated to us, as by a reflection which emanated from them, a light so intense that, penetrating our heart, even to the depths of our soul, it made us see ourselves in God. Okay, so a lady opens her hands, this light comes out, and then the three visionaries see themselves as in God. Again, you can imagine it's kind of hard to explain here with, with mere words what that looks like or feels like, but this is, this is how she describes it. Made, it, it made us see ourselves in God, who was in this light, who, sorry, who was this light, more clearly than we see ourselves in the best of mirrors. Then, moved by an interior impulse, which was communicated to us, we fell on our knees and said repeatedly, O most holy Trinity, I adore thee. My God, my God, I love thee in the most holy sacrament. Very interesting that that spontaneously, kind of this, this, inf this prayer is infused in them. They just know it. They just pray it. They pray it all together. They never conferred. They just, this prayer just emanates from their souls in the presence of God. Beautiful image. Okay. Uh, I want to skip a couple of things here, but there's a couple of just little details that are important. Lucia, she saw a lady and spoke to her. Uh, little Jacinta, now Saint Jacinta, uh, saw Our Lady but did not speak to her. She heard her as well but did not speak to her. And uh, Francisco saw her but did not hear her. So he had to rely on what uh, Lucia and uh, Jacinta said to him. So we had, they had different roles, different vocations. 
The light, the divine light that had shone from Our Lady's hands in this apparition, left a very profound impression on the children, especially Francisco. And that impression was the sadness of God. In fact, consoling the sadness of God would afterwards become Francisco's particular vocation. The children understood that God is very much offended by the sins of humanity. This is 1917. Right? This is when mass attendance would have been, well, in Ireland anyway, would have been relatively good, family rosaries. This is before the avalanche of, of pornography, immodesty, impurity, abortion, all these kind of things that have overcome our world since. This is back in the good old days, 1917. Imagine the, the sadness of God now. So he appears, he chooses, she appears, or Jesus sends Our Lady to these three innocent children. Why? Because their hearts are so pure. Then later on when they would do their, their, their shepherding, uh, obviously these apparitions are a month apart, and in the days in between, they did their normal things. They shepherded sheep on the side of the hill. And very often they would renounce their lunches or renounce drinking. So you're in the, the, the hot sun there in, in Portugal and they would renounce drinking any water until the evening. You know, so banging headaches or renounce their food to console the heart of the Lord, to console the sadness of God. I mean, that's the, they're the actions of, of a saint, just... The, the purity of intention, the profound love of these kids. Okay, we'll skip ahead to uh, July, 13th of July. Uh, again, we see something here which isn't human logic, but, but very much divine. God sends his mother to these three children, and in the first part of this apparition, they have a vision of hell. Now, again, you may have nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters of around that age, seven, eight, and ten. And if, if, if we do talk about hell, we do so very, very gently. <laughs> um, we have to describe it in terms of, look, if people don't want to be with God, they don't have to be with God. If people want to turn their backs on God, that's their choice. God doesn't want it, but we will suffer the consequences for all eternity. If we don't want to be with God, it's, it's a very serious thing. We try and find ways of telling the truth without, you know, it, it should never be a case of scaring them, scaring the children into, into obedience so they won't burn. It should always be, we should be motivating the, the, the children to do what they do out of love for God. But this is what the, the three uh, children see. She opened her hands once more, as she had done the two previous months. The rays of light seemed to penetrate the earth, and we saw, as it were, a sea of fire. Plunged in this fire were demons and souls in human form, like transparent burning embers, all blackened and burnished bronze, floating about in the conflagration. Some raised into the air by the flames that issued from within themselves, together with the great clouds of smoke, some falling back on every side like sparks in huge fires, without weight or equilibrium, amid shrieks and groans of pain and despair, which horrified us and made us tremble with fear. The demons could 
be distinguished by their terrifying and repellent likeness to frightful and unknown animals, black and transparent like burning coals. That vision lasted only a moment, thanks to our good mother of heaven, who, at the first apparition, had promised to bring us to heaven. Without that, I think we would have died of terror and fright. Terrified, as if to plead for help, we looked up at Our Lady, who said to, who said to us so kindly and so sadly, You have seen hell, where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my immaculate heart. If what I say is done, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. So, a little further on, what will she say? Well, she will speak about, in every apparition, the, the power of the rosary, the need to pray the rosary. And then the consecration of the world to her immaculate heart. And then the devotion of the first Saturdays. So in the second part of this apparition, then, we see uh, something which seems quite understated because it's, it's prophetic, but people don't seem to pick up on it. Our Lady continues, the war is going to end. So this is again 1917. The First World War is uh, underway. But if people do not cease offending God, a worse one will break out during the reign of Pius XI. This is 1917. Pius XI is elected Pope in 1922. So five years before this Guy is even, obviously the popes changed their name, so there was no way of knowing when this would occur and what the pope's name would be. You know, so this is this is prophetic. A worse war will break out during the reign of Pius the Eleventh. Okay, so that's the second secret. I'll, I'll skip. The, there are more details there, but Our Lady speaks about World War Two. And then the third secret, which is probably the most famous, has three parts to it. So uh, Lucia was asked to, to write it out, which she duly did, so I'll quote her directly. The third part of the secret revealed at the COVID area in Fatima on the 13th of July, 1917. I write in obedience to you, my God, who commanded me to do so through His Excellency, the Bishop of Leria, and through the Most Holy Mother, through your Most Holy Mother and mine. So after the two parts, which I've already explained, that's the vision of hell and the uh, prophecy of the Second World War. At the left of Our Lady and a little above, we saw an angel with a flaming sword in his left hand. Flashing, it gave out flames that looked as though they would set the world on fire, but they died out in contact with the splendor that Our Lady radiated towards him from her right hand. Pointing to the earth with his right hand, the angel cried out in a loud voice, penance, penance, penance. And we saw in an immense light, that is God, something similar to how people appear in a mirror when they pass in front of it. A bishop dressed in white, we had the impression that it was the Holy Father. Other bishops, priests, men and women, religious, going up a steep mountain, at the top of which there was a big rough, a big cross of rough hewn trunks as of cork tree with the bark. Before reaching there, the Holy Father passed through a city, half in ruins and half trembling with halting step, 
afflicted with pain and sorrow. He prayed for the souls of the corpses he met on his way. Having reached the top of the mountain, on his knees, at the foot of the big cross, he was killed by a group of soldiers who fired bullets and arrows at him. And in the same way there died, one after the other, bishops, priests, men and women religious, and various lay people of different ranks and positions. Beneath the two arms of the cross there were two angels, each with a crystal aspersorium in his hand, in which they gathered up the blood of the martyrs, and with it sprinkled the souls who were making their way to God. Okay, it's a very a very dramatic uh, secret. This wasn't revealed initially. It was John Paul II that eventually chose to, to reveal this after the assassination attempt uh, on, his, on his own life. We see a lot here. Uh, we see the power of Our Lady's intercession, so this angel with a flaming sword, as such, wishing to inflict on the earth what we justly deserve. Uh, if people have turned their backs on God, then we don't deserve him. But Our Lady's intercession, Our Lady's prayer, Our Lady's call, call to the rosary, consecration to her immaculate heart, she wishes to defend us, protect us. She wishes to guide us back to heaven. She intercedes for us. So it's a, it's a, a wonderful image. That's, there's, there's that part. That's the first part of the secret. The second part then is the scene with the Holy Father. Now, could this be the attempted assassination on John Paul II's life in uh, St. Peter's Square, on, which actually happened on, as, as Providence would have it, on the 13th of May as well? It's possible. It's possible. But the issue with that understanding or that interpretation of it is that in this vision, the Holy Father clearly dies, which during the attempted assassination on John Paul II, he doesn't. So it could well be, this is also referring to a future situation where some sort of a, a persecution of the church will break out and where maybe even Rome might be attacked. So it doesn't necessarily mean that, that all this has passed already. Uh, when some interpret, they think it may have, uh, maybe merely symbolic, because uh, they see the, the Pope on the top of this mountain being shot at with so with bullets, but also with arrows. And arrows, I'm sure that's that's a bit outdated. Uh, it's possible that the bullets are, you know, the physical persecution of the church or the, the, the Pope himself and the arrows are all of the, the calumny, so all of the, the propaganda, all of the, 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 the talk, the negative talk, the, the verbal persecution uh, of the church and of the Holy Father. So it's not, it's not that it's, we've gone back in time here at all, but it could well be this is how the, 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 the church will be persecuted. But while it may not necessarily seem so, uh, there's an old expression in, in the church the blood of martyrs is the seed of Christians the blood of martyrs is the seed of Christians so beneath this cross, remember they're being led up the cross through a, a, a city that has been destroyed during a war and at the, the cross then there are angels gathering up the blood of the martyrs and they're sprinkling it on the souls making their way to God so we have this, this, this dichotomy, really. Uh, speaking about the, the reality and the existence of, of hell, it's there, it's real, and there are people there. And it's always a possibility for us 
to go there if we turn our backs on God. If we don't want him, we don't have to have him. But on the other side then, there are those who, who do wish to follow him and may have to suffer because of it, but their suffering doesn't only bear fruit in their own lives, but the blood of the martyrs is the seed of other Christians. That blood is collected, if you will, uh, by, by the angels and sprinkled on those making their way to God, the ultimate goal of everything. Salvation, heaven. Again, and all this revealed just to, to children. But they were faithful. They weren't, their, their minds, their hearts weren't polluted with, with uh, having to paraphrase what Our Lady said. They simply repeated what they heard. They just described what they saw. Just so pure. No, no, none of our complications getting in the way. And it's, it's, again, it's, it's astounding that such important and, dare I say, frightful things would be revealed to such small, such small children. And yet, it was effective. It worked. In order to prove that all of this wasn't fruit of the fantasy of children, our Lord permits a, a great miracle. So on the 13th of October, there's the so-called miracle of the sun where in or around 70,000 people gathered in Fatima. It had been milling rain. So people had arrived from all around. I mean, some out of curiosity, some out of religious fervor, and some hoping this whole hoax would be shown up for what it really was. So there were, there were communists there hoping to see these, these uh, religious weaklings disappointed, you know. So a huge crowd, and I'd say milling rain, so they're, you're arriving from all around, no cars, we're walking or horseback or a horse and cart for those who are maybe a little more wealthy, but everyone is getting soaked. They're all standing there with their umbrellas up to their knees in mud, again, no, no, no paving in a lot of these places. So, and they're all just, just standing there, you know, just standing for, waiting for this thing to happen. And they weren't disappointed. They had no idea what to expect. Our Lady appears. She speaks to the three visionaries. And then when she leaves, they see the miracle of the sun, as do all the spectators or all the visitors and people in the surrounding area as well. They see the sun pulsate, change color, move from one side of the sky to the other, and then at a certain point, it looks like the, the sun is actually going to come down and hit them. So people think it's the end of the world. We're going to die. We're going to die. People start screaming and in, in, in terror and horror and maybe hopefully reflecting on their lives. Uh, and they see the sun come down. And then it goes back to its place. And the normal color of everything resumes. And then they look around and see that they're, they're bone dry, as is the ground. Now, in order to dry the ground to, what, six inches, eight inches, in a couple of minutes, you need something close to a nuclear event to dry that much water out of the ground. And yet 70,000 people are standing there unharmed and bone dry. It's it's miracle on top of miracle here. And all of this just to show this is from heaven. What these children say is real. They're not making it up. So the Lord doesn't expect us just to believe nice stories from children. Or, I mean, he, 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 understandably, he wants us also to use our intellect uh, and our will in these things in order to discern are they true. 
And so he proves what he says. And then, as I say, in, in the year 1922, we're going to see this Pius XI, who no one knew was even coming, appear as well. Not so much appear, but, you know, become Pope. Uh, so the Lord wants us, again, to use our heads. So this isn't made up. This, this is real. And if, if it's from heaven, then there's serious weight to what's being said here. They speak, Our Lady speaks about the, the reality of hell, but also the power of the rosary, the power of the consecration to her Immaculate Heart, the power of the first Saturday devotion. So receiving Holy Communion, going to confession, offering this up for, for the Holy Father, for the conversion of sinners, for, uh, for those who reject the Lord, for those who blaspheme against him, for the offences committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So we have real power. We're not helpless in this, in this cosmic battle at all. So today, let us very simply consider ourselves like little children in this, in this apparition. We don't have to understand everything. The Lord has asked us to it's like the, the miracle of the daily miracle of the Mass. We don't have to understand it all. We just take it in and we live it. Mysteries remain mysteries. And so we, we, we take them in, we receive the Holy Eucharist, we live from it, and we do whatever we can to console the heart of God, to reduce, if we can in some way, as Saint, now Saint Francisco did, to reduce the sadness of God at seeing the world plunged into so much sin, which obviously today is much, much worse than it was in 1917. So Lord, we want to console your heart, to unite our hearts to the heart of our Blessed Lady, to believe in the power of her intercession and to prepare the world for the triumph of Our Lady's Immaculate Heart. Amen.